believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. From the dust we can, the dust will return. I go the way of all men. That's what the Bible says. David said it. Joseph said it. In the Old Testament. So the wage of sin is death. And sin brings a sense of shame and a sense of nakedness. It does. So... When David confessed in Psalm 51 that he sinned against God, when he confessed when confronted by Nathan that he had sinned, he said, I have sinned. And it was a legitimate confession. So when we cast ourselves wholly upon the Lord in our dark moment, God knows our heart. And if we're truly humbled and humiliated by that, It's actually something he receives. Because David said in Psalm 51, a broken and contrite spirit is what is pleasing to the Lord. He said, I would have offered bulls and animals and sacrifices, but that's not what you're interested in. You're you're not interested from the man who committed adultery against his buddy's wife, who had his buddy murdered. You're not interested in bulls and goats. You're interested in a broken and a contrite spirit. And take not thy spirit from me. So, the people here, like, do whatever seems best to you. They are absolutely broken. And they said, we have sinned. And their confession is valid. It's a true confession. And I was saying this, but I'll say it again. Many of you know with your adult children or your kids when they're younger or your spouses, if they've come and gone and left, whatever, we've all heard people say they've sinned and they're sorry but not change and not really show that they're sorry. True confession with God is not just acknowledging the wrong in the action and the act that got you here or even acknowledge that you're miserable and what it brought upon your life. True confession really is an agreement to put action to that confession. Because again, the Bible has many people who say I've sinned, but they don't find forgiveness. We, we cast ourselves upon the Lord and say, what, you know, whatever seems best to you. And in preparing for this study, I thought of so many people that I've known in ministry, particularly high-profile people, I'll be honest, pastors, high-profile pastors who had falls from grace in ministry and they lost their ministries or whatever and the various things that happened. And I tried to think about which ones were broken by it and better for it. I mean, Jimmy Swigert's still going. So I'd like to think he's, he's the better for it. I mean, he's still preaching the gospel, so I'm very grateful for that. But it cost him something, what he did. The Lord knows. 
But when we say we've sinned, it's against God. And so we're acknowledging before God. And hopefully, again, thinking of other people. I've tried to think of other people like, what happened in their life after their fall? They lost this church, or they did this, they did this with money, they did this with women, or whatever it might be. Like, what actually happened five years later, ten years later? Where are they now? Did they learn the lessons? Were they broken, and were they different? The Lord knows. But you and I don't need to confess other people's sins to the Lord. We need to confess our sins to the Lord. And the same way we say, stay in your lane, stay in my lane. My lane is me making things right with the Lord. Yours is your, your lane is you making things right with the Lord. There is a we in this. So, I mean, it was collective, but really it's more individual for us as we think about it. Do whatever seems best. I've sinned. That's a good start. And let me say this. You know, in ministry, I can't tell you in 34 years how many people will never say they've sinned. They're really like Fonzie in Happy Days back in the day. They can't say they were wrong. Remember that? I mean, we grew up with Happy Days in the 70s, and Fonzie could never say I was wrong. He was like, I was And he could never say that he was wrong. That was like one of the storylines of the TV show Happy Days. Hey, Fonzie, he's never wrong because he's a cool guy. No, Fonzie is wrong. We're all, we all sin. If anyone says they don't sin, they deceive themselves and the truth is not in them. First John chapter 1. We sin. And failure is inevitable. Growth is optional. You learn from failure. Uh, in coaching elite surfers, I'd say, you know, winning feels better than losing. Amen? All you athletes, coaches out there, there's quite a few of you. Listen, I like winning a lot more than losing. Winning feels way better. That's how, you know, like you're trying to figure out, how do you motivate a 14-year-old when they're, you know, nervous about this? I say, like, look, hey, 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 look. In 20 minutes, you're going to be a winner or a loser. <laughs> winning feels better than losing. Forget about these guys. Go out and win because you'll feel better. And they win. I'm like, see, I told you, winning feels better. If they lose, then I say, you know what? Winning feels better, but you learn more from losing. You learn way more from losing. Even Tom Brady loses Super Bowls before he wins more of them. You learn from losing. And our failures, our sins, teach us not to put any confidence in our flesh. They teach us that if anyone thinks they stand, take heed, lest they fall. And that's what they teach us. We have to be humbled by our failures. So when we're confessing our failures, we're realizing like, hey, well, it's like me. You don't listen to, you listen to me for 45 to 50 minutes on a Saturday night. I, I prepare it. Then I hear it, I teach it, and I think, oh, that was lame, or that was all right, you know? And then I listen to it, and I edit it for podcasts and whatever. I'm critiquing what I say from this pulpit every week from two different studies. And after a while, you're like, you know, how many times am I going to take this rabbit trail and go off on this tangent that has nothing to do with the context of the Bible study? Like, that's just chaff before the Lord, and it's more time for me to edit it. And my pauses have become more pronounced because I'm trying to grow and learn from like, that I don't say something I, don't, I shouldn't say, and then I have to edit it later. You know, I always thought Pastor Chuck was so profound when he paused for like 10 seconds. And all. Uh, you know, uh, fellas. Uh, well, anyways. He just filtered something. 
So you don't hear it on the C2000 series or the C3000 series. He just filtered it. I'm like, oh, I just thought he was just like gathering his thoughts. Now he's filtering his thoughts, growing and learning. Just because I think it doesn't mean I need to say it. And all during the COVID crisis, I'm like, why am I saying this? I'm not saying this because I'm getting this from my Bible study time. I'm getting this from reading the news and getting furious. You don't need to come here and hear me be furious because of the news. You can do that on your own. You need the living water. Because in Revelation 22, it says there's living water, clear water. You don't need to come in here and me muddle up the water. It's a good well. This is a good well. This right here is clear water. This is a good well. You don't need me or any other pastor or any other woman in the, in the pulpit making the water dirty because they're upset about something. They got to be treated men a lighter. So we want to grow. I sinned. Don't listen to that person. Don't watch that thing. Don't let that push my buttons. Like, there's all kinds of different sins that can make you feel foolish and embarrassed and naked. But what we must do is what I'm saying right now is you got to go forward from it. Because what does it say they do? This is interesting because they put some action to it. It says that they put away the foreign gods from among them and serve the Lord. That's a two for one, right? Because you're putting away and you're going in this direction. You're releasing this to grab that. So when there's confession and brokenness before the Lord from our failures, we're, we're letting go of something. Just like, let it go already. Just let that relationship go. It's never going to work. It's never going to be blessed. Let that go. The Lord is not in it. It's, it's not, it's like when your donkey's talking to you like Balaam, like, dude, just turn around already. Just let it go. Haven't always been faithful to you, the donkey says to Balaam. When a donkey's talking with the voice of a man, I think you would be listening but when you're so determined that you got this great plan to get all the money and think you can serve the Lord at the same time, just skew it a certain way, just let it go. So put away and embrace the Lord. Put away the foreign gods. Those foreign gods all represented different lust and sins and wealth and uh, sexual lust and anger and wrath and all these things. And these, these idols, all, all these gods that they serve are the surrounding Canaanites Representative ideologies that we, we, we are tempted to serve every day when we walk outside this church. And they're not to own us, but we're to own them. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon, for example. Like, but he entrusts some people with lots of mammon, and that's a good thing. So he entrusts mammon to people who let God rule over the mammon. Otherwise, you're just building your own mammon without the hand of the Lord over it. So the key is, in that brokenness, to to take the right steps to go forward from that, grow, to, to confess it, and to grow and learn and go forward. Of course, my sister is an amazing example of this, having now been sober for four and a half years. Many of you know, but my sister was homeless for almost six years, living behind the dollar store in Vista with her grocery cart by the Dempsey Dumpster. And um, bad men, really bad men, Prescription drugs and alcohol train wrecked her life and a couple of physical injuries. And she needed knee surgery. So when I would see her on the streets of Vista at seven in the morning yelling at a streetlight, drunk, she's limping because she has a, a wounded, like a wounded seagull. She had a blown out knee. And I remember her saying to me on that Mother's Day five years ago, it's, it's hard to have a job. It's hard to pay your bills. I'm like, I think it's harder what you're doing. Isn't it hard to limp around, Vista, drunk, cursing streetlights 
with a bad leg and get in fights with everybody? I always remember that day I said to her, the, the next thing for you is to go to rehab and to finish it. Because she always had court appointed rehab. She's always in out of jail. Court appointed rehab and finish it. And she did. She took the next step. She stayed. Then lived in the halfway house with 20 women for a year. Then about seven women for another year where she was the director of the house. Then she was the temp person at Macy's. And then she was the regular person at Macy's. And then she became a manager at Macy's. Then she cleared all of her debt. And then she had surgery to repair her knee. And then my mom's inheritance to her allowed her to buy a home and move to Florida where she was salesperson of the month in October at Home Depot in Vero Beach. It didn't happen overnight, but it was all these little steps. And one thing that was very interesting to me when I knew my sister was truly broken, this is very important. It's important to me, because it really ministered to me. In all of her rehab stuff, because you have to make things right. Like, so at one point when she was on drugs, she stole the $1,000 silver bar from her son, Jimmy, at my dad's house. She broke in, stole the silver bar, sold it for drugs. So you have to make restitution, all this stuff. So, like, so you put away the foreign gods, you make things right. So she, in her rehab uh, accountability, she worked at Macy's as a temp person, minimum wage. All that time, taking the bus, public transportation, took her years before she could drive again. Remember, she went to D- she had to go to DUI school for 18 months because you young people, if you get a DUI and it's like a point. Oh, eight, you, you know, it's easier DUI to clear up. If you're like 1.8, it's twice as long. So it took my sister a year and a half, almost two years to get her license renewed after she began the process because I haven't had two DUIs. But as she rebuilt her life, one thing that you could never do is you could never make an excuse or blame someone else. Think about that. You could never make an excuse or blame someone else. This is what you did, self-determination, and now you're choosing to do this to make things right. So she worked like a whole month to pay Jimmy back for stealing the silver bar. And by the way, Jimmy never wanted to have anything to do with his mom. But after she paid back the silver bar, he was willing to have communication with her after like not having anything to do with her for a couple of years. Because it's embarrassing when your mom's on the street yelling at streetlights. That's very embarrassing. But that put away and serve the Lord, she put away this and she moved toward that. And as you begin to do that, then God honors that and he blesses your life. Now, I'm not sure what I need to put away or you may need to put away or people we love that we see this week will need to put away, but this is what's in the text. The New Testament does tell us to put off the old man, to put off lying and malice and and malicious speaking and put on truth and words of edification. It tells us to him who steals, steal no more. Let them work hard if they have something to give to those who have less. In the book of Genesis, chapter 35, when Jacob, when God spoke to Jacob and said, come, come to Bethel. We need to have a little talk here. You're the, you're, you know, you're the prince of Israel and we need to have a talk. And he was going to go give an account to God. The first thing he said to his kids was, hey, come here and give me all your false gods. Give me all your foreign gods. And he said, we need to put these away. And he dug a grave at the Terebinth tree. And he buried all the things that were offensive to the Lord in the household. And then he went to go meet with the Lord. He put away to make it right. We put off to put on. 
So we have a confession that we can finally, not, not like Fonzie and make excuses, we can admit this, no, I'm sinning against God. This is the way it is. Yep. This is game film. This is the, this is the court of law. This is the, this is the TV, this is the camera at the intersection. Yep, that's me. I ran that red light. You know when they, remember when you said the cameras, the red light cameras, and get the ticket that way? They quit doing that because people cause accidents because they'd see them. I mean, I got so busted. 2000, I was at Big Calvary speaking, and um, we just started to worship generation, and we still live in Vista. And I got off at uh, Ortega Highway, and I, I was making the left turn to go like the like McDonald's or whatever it was. It was late at night, and I ran that red light. And I was like, you know, when they had all the lights and all that. Remember it, it was like, I was, I was like, oh. And, and all these lights went off, right? And I was like, and, and then later on, you see the sign that says, hey, this is a, one of these traffic lights. Man, the picture I got from San Juan Capistrano was epic. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> like, it's, it's epic, man. It's in, my, it's in my memorabilia stuff somewhere. It's just too epic to throw. It's just like, I'm like, you little sinner. Look at you, running that red light, and the lights, and you're like, just so busted. It was an expensive ticket, too, man. It was a couple hundred. It's like, you know, it offset any honorarium kind of a thing. It's like, oh, no. Oh. Yes, I ran the red light. I will now slow down at yellow lights instead of running red lights. Put off the old man. Always in a hurry, put on the new man. Just exhale. See, that's how it works. And what's super favorable for all of us is the heart of the Lord. This is a very unique verse. How often you see a verse like this with the Lord? And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. That's a fascinating verse. First of all, that God refers to himself as his, a soul. Because even for us in the human experience, we have a hard time defining our soul. We're spirit, mind, and body. So we often associate the soul with our mind, like our brain, like that. God is triune in nature, of course, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The universe is triune, time, space, and matter. And here, this terminology has the idea like his soul, who he is. Like his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. When we're in sin and we're struggling and we're wrestling, this is a fascinating thought. Like we think God wants to bring the hammer. Like, man, God's going to bring the hammer. He's going to bring the wood to me on this one. Actually, it's the opposite. And you parents of adult children who have had adult children make bad decisions, you understand like the prodigal son where you're not out to crush your children that have made bad decisions. I mean, it may frustrate you to no end with bad decisions, but you're for them. It's not like you wake up and say, hey, I hope you guys lose. Like, you, you, you know, like, roll over and die in your sin. We would never be like that. Like, it's like my mom. See, when I gave up on my sister, I was like, I can't do this anymore. She leaves me these messages when she's out of her mind, and they're horrible. They're, like, demonic to me. So I, I wasn't smart enough to know that you can block a call. I just changed my phone number. Baby boomers are a little slow sometimes. But it's the only time I ever changed my number because I couldn't take these calls. And my sister would show up at my mom's house, like, drunk. I want to take a shower. I live here. And my mom would let her take a shower. My mom would feed her a meal. My mom never gave up being kind to my sister. And she'd be like, you, you need, I'm like, no, I don't have to do anything. She's my sibling. She's your daughter. You can't give up on her because she's your daughter. I give up on her because she's my sister. Like, yeah, you make theology up as you go along in life. That, that was my theology. 
And I'm like, I, I, I'm just keeping my distance. I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to see her. It's, it's horrible. It's hard to watch. See, my mom never gave up on her. My mom never approved her in what she was doing, never condoned it. She broke into my mom's house and stole from her too. But my mom forgave her. Her, her boyfriend, who was a drug addict, was a former Navy SEAL, and he threatened to kill both my parents. And my mom would still let my sister show up and have a meal. And See, that's what 1 Corinthians 13 has in mind. Love bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things, because love never fails. You know, that's a really important verse for us to understand, 1 Corinthians 13, because that's the love of God working in our hearts. That's like, that's the love that Jesus has even when Judas betrays him with a kiss. God takes no pleasure, we're told, in the death of the wicked in the book of Ezekiel. So when we, when we confess our sin, when we make things right, God's cheering us on. I mean, you read about the caught of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 12 that cheer us on. They are cheering us on for repentance. They're cheering us on to make it right. They're cheering us on to make the 180-degree turn and go from doing what's wrong to doing what's right. They're, they're cheering us on. Do you realize the host of heaven, WD, listen to me very carefully. The host of heaven is on our side to turn it around when we're going in the wrong direction. And it says here that his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. Even when Ahab, like one of the worst kings ever, when he did one thing good, God pronounced mercy on him for taking one decision and one action in a favorable direction. It's always the right time to do the right thing and go in the right direction. And if it doesn't seem like God really cares or he's not listening, whatever, you still need to do what's right. Because your heart might be hard. Your, your conscience might be a little brittle. But to, to confess and agree and to move in the right direction is in the best interest for our being in this universe and the day of the Lord. But it is also that which God is favorable for for his people and for his children. He's for us when we're repenting. He's for us when we're we're making the crooked path straight. He's for us when we call people and say we're sorry. He's for us when we restore $1,000 to our son because we stole the silver bar. He is for us. His soul breaks when he sees you yelling at a streetlight at seven in the morning out of your mind. He wants to get you from the Dempsey Dumpster to this beautiful house in Vero Beach, Florida, where you see the flamingos and the armadillos and the lizards and the frogs. And he's so much for you. Not only does he give you this house, he gives you the beautiful lot right next to it. That's the jungle where all the animals come out of. Against all odds, he gives you that property as well. It's yours. God wants to do good for us. God is for us. He's a blessing God. And he blesses confession acts of repentance, and he blesses going in the right direction. And when we read that eyes not see nor ear heard those things he has for us, honestly, the body of Christ has no idea when it rebels against God what they're missing out on and what great things he really has for those people when they're willing to agree with God that they're in the wrong and they're willing to learn from their mistakes and go in the right direction. Now, worship generation, I think we're a very healthy church. I think as a whole, we are all... We're a healthy church. You're, you're, you're strong in the Lord. But we fail and we make mistakes. We, don't, we, we do things we regret. We do things we're embarrassed by. There's a game film out there. I don't want to see yours and I don't want you to see mine. Amen? Do you want me to see your game film? No. 
And I definitely wanted to see mine. So let's agree on that one right now. <laughs> but God sees all the game film, and he wants to improve our, our field of play. He wants to help us like, hey, that's not the, this, this is what it looks like when you do it right. Put off, put on. God is for us, and we don't want to grieve him and quench him and really cause him sorrow. We want to cause him rejoicing. So as we go forward on the back end, this last stretch of um, 2021 with 2022 around the corner, let's just be open to things God's saying. You know, like I've tried to work with you on this, but I, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again to show this to you. Let's, let's work on this. And, and let's just agree with God. We're, we're wrong and how to make it right. And we'll be healthy. It'll be healthy for us. It'll be healthy for the people we love. It'll be healthy for humanity. It's a total win-win for everybody. When the people of covenant cast themselves wholly upon the Lord and say, do whatever seems best to you, only deliver us. Confess it, turn, and bring him joy as he's for us in that direction. Because it's hard to kick against the goads, but it's much better to go downhill with the Lord in a good way where he's got your back. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.